All right, today we're talking greatest coaches of all time. Uh, Roy has some, I'm sure, great picks. I have some picks. They might all be the same picks. They might be different. Um, Roy, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Well, you know, I use, you know, you have a lot of people use the phrase trainers, coaches. I like teachers. Hmm. Okay, teachers. Because, well, you know, when Ray Arcel, who I maybe consider the coach, a lot of people look at Angelo Dundee, but I, I don't look at Dundee like that uh, because I see him as a motivator. Hmm. But Ray Arcel was responsible for taking Roberto Duran to a heist that nobody ever thought a little five foot five Panamanian could do. I don't know uh, much about Rayo uh, Arcel is not one of my picks. I don't know much about his work with Duran. So this is fascinating. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell me? He, he, he was perhaps, he's one of the first guys that when I got into boxing on a, a different level, when I went to work for the USLC, the United States Olympic uh, Committee, mm. and then they, I got selected to be one of the, the, the team coaches, national coaches. And Rayo Arcel was one of the guys who used to actually put on clinics. And he mm. would come in and he says, the gym is like a school. Every day you go to school, you're supposed to learn something. Yeah. He says, so people use the term, he said, but a teacher is not the same as a trainer. You know, a trainer teaches how to do sit-ups, how to throw, you know, maybe throw a punch. He said, but a teacher teaches you everything about the fundamentals of boxing. Teaches you how to think. How to think, how yeah. to use your brain. You say, because guys, and before that, you go back to Blackburn, who was with Joe Lewis and stuff like that. But we're going to be covering them eventually, too. But, I mean, you, you, you get guys that they think guys are just throwing punches sometimes in the ring. And people could wonder, like, how can a guy think that fast? He just, he just threw a punch out of wildness. No, it wasn't. Because the guy is sitting there watching the guy punch. And if you're, especially if you're close inside, or you're too far, far away. But if you're close inside, you're watching the guy's feet position. You can tell where this guy can hit you if he's a softball and he's trying to punch from an orthodox size, his power is not going to be the same. So you know what you can get away with and what you can do to him. Mm -hmm. What's the same way against you, though? You have to be in a certain position to throw a punch, and if you're not in that position, guess what? If you miss with that and you can't come back with a punch, guess what? You're going to be countered, and you're going to be in trouble. So yeah. my first pick of, of all the, of the number one pick, let's put it like that, would be Ray Arcel because he did a fantastic job with Roberto Duran and there were others don't get me wrong but, uh, but Duran you know, could do one. everything highly underrated everything. highly underrated jab um yeah un unusual footwork um to where he would stay very very sideways um and then kind of pivot and then step and instead of stepping mm -hmm. and pivot mm -hmm. uh just just right. an overall people think you know oh yeah great brawler on the inside maybe they know some of his technical like you know grappling tricks but no, the dude could box, like solid fundamental boxing. Solid funda and, a, and, a, and he would always say that a good fighter can make, if you train him right, he can make the other guy do something he never wants to do. Yeah. He never wants to do, you know. And that's what Durant early throughout his career, really probably until the Ray Leonard fight, but we still don't know how that wound up like he did the second time. Mm -hmm. But it was proven in the first fight against Ray Leonard. He actually he beat for Ray Leonard early in that fight. Uh, and that was because of the, the teaching, the teachings he had had over the year with, uh, with Ray Arcel. Yeah, no, uh, teaching someone how to think instead of teaching them what to think is one of the greatest gifts a teacher can give, for sure. Yes, um, exactly. all, And, and uh, whether I'm, I'm talking about like instructors or coaches or just uh, the teachers that I've had in school, 
the ones I always liked and that stood out to me was the one who challenged his students to have their own opinions and think. And that's how yeah. you get a fighter like Duran who could change up his game plan without any advice from his coach in the, in the middle of the fight and just yeah. find something that's working. That's cool. All right. Okay, that, so that's um, my first pick. So best at developing fighters, like from scratch, uh, I'm going to go with Emmanuel Stewart. Okay, and it's you can't. It's hard to argue against Emmanuel. Yeah, <laughs> in in any <laughs> regard. I mean, the guy. Yeah, you got you got Hearns, you got Lewis, you got yeah. Klitschko. Klitschko yeah. looked like he was fumbling around, not knowing what the hell he was doing before he got. <laughs> yeah, before he got him, you're right. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Paul, uh, Milton McCrory, uh, oh God, uh, Mike McCallum. It's just just so many, and those are the guys that we know about with the bigger names, right? Right. McKinty. I mean, gosh, not to mention the guy that he sent to the Olympics as well. Uh, and so it, it's hard to argue against him. But I will say this, as good as he developed some of his fighters, when a few of those guys got to the big fights, mm -hmm. they lost. Terminators, they were up against other terrific fighters, though. Terrific fighters. Right. Well, that's but see, again, Duran, and that's why I started with Real sale because mm -hmm. Duran went against some of the Ken Buchanan was considered to be the, one of the greatest lightweights in the history of sport, of boxing, right? Mm -hmm. Not to mention the, the Esteban de Jesus. There were a lot of guys during that period of time because they're again, they're, they call that the hunger period in boxing, the 60s, you know, the late mid 60s, early into the early 70s, maybe. The talent that Emmanuel had that came into Crunk there in Detroit was unreal i mean hmm. I, boxing unlike today but but i think that was just because he was that good at seeing promise and then developing it um yeah i think you have a point that he might not have been as good at teaching his fighters how to think so that they could change it up mid you know mid fight because they were very 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 good at what he taught them to do mm -hmm. i mean that's mm -hmm. uh, that's unequivocally true Right. Exactly. Um, he, he, and, and to, I mean, was it just that he had that potential go and come into his gym or was it that he, he was able to take that raw talent and channel it into um, his particular style and gave them the tools that they needed? A combination of both, David. I mean, yeah. a combination of both. You know, I've always, you heard me use the term so many times about the hungerness in these fighters, right? Mm -hmm. And these kids have seen, you know, if you're in Detroit, you read the story about Joe Lewis, Al Lewis, Blue Lewis, guys that were from that area, you know, mm -hmm. in that period of time when you're a young kid, you seen them driving through in the Cadillac or Lincoln or whatever they were driving, right? They come into the gyms, you go, oh man, one day, one day, one day. So they walked in with a mindset of saying, this sport is going to take me to another level. Mm -hmm. I need someone that's going to take this sport and put it in me to take me to that next level. Emmanuel Stewart was that guy. Yeah. Now, the Emmanuel Stewart that I know, I would tell you if it was one thing that he had that worked against him, against him, mm -hmm. he took those kids like they were his children, which is good, don't get me wrong. But see, when a father protects, it's a different story when a father is protecting his children. You know, as opposed to kid training in the gym, Emmanuel raised a lot of kids that became like his sons. He would say, "Oh, well, this guy's like a son to me." Okay, that's great, 
I train him to do everything he can do, but eventually the son grows up and grows older. And the problem becomes now is that he listened to you when you were young and he, you know, you told him everything right, but now he wants to be his own man. And they start taking chances in the ring, like Hagler did against, like, like I'm sorry, like Tommy did against Hagler, mm. like Tommy did against Ray. You know, he, that's not the, he kept, he, he kept that in Tommy Hearns. Use the jab, you, you're beating him with this jab, you're doing it. So you think he, he oversaw them a little bit too much to where they weren't able to test themselves. And if they had tested themselves on their own merits, came up with a couple of their own plans, it would have worked better later on in their careers. Oh, of course, because I don't yeah. think Tommy Hearns, he never would have told Tommy Hearns to go out there and slug with. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any you know coach, I, mean? I don't think any coach would no, have. Yeah. No, never would have. And within the Ray Leonard fight, you know, here's the fight you're winning. Stay, stay on your Stay on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay on the outside. But, you know, guys said, I can take this guy. Yeah, I can take him. And we know what happened with that, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and that, but the guys like Lennox Lewis that he had later on, the heavyweights, Klitschko's, they were dominating already. He made Lennox Lewis, and, you know, I, I say things because, you know, he's gone. He can't back him up himself. But I wouldn't say it if he didn't tell it to me. He always had this problem. He thought Lennox Lewis was just too, he said, man, he's just too damn relaxed. You know, mm-hmm. he always, that was his problem. He could not get him to just get this out of him because he said they would finish training. You know, most guys run to the shower. Lennox Lewis ran to a chessboard. He said, I got to finish my, I got to finish my chess game. I started with somebody, whoever it may have been. That means his concentration, he, that's why you saw the Lennox Lewis that was like, you know, that's why you see him not exciting at all. Mm-hmm. And what happened in some of those fights? He gets laid out by McCall. He gets laid out by Hussein Rockman. Comes back and wins them, but at the same time, those are the things that you got to put into his head against the Tyson fight. Lennox mm-hmm. was basically scared to death of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson told him, "I'm going to eat your children." Lennox, I don't have any children. But hey, what the, what the heck? <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to have sex with you. I'm going to eat your children. You know. And I believe that somewhere in this, but we were there in, in Tennessee with that fight took place. Somewhere in his mind, that probably affected him. Hmm. But Emmanuel told him after six round, man, this guy has nothing. He's nothing. Go out and whip this guy's ass. That's how Emmanuel talked, you know. But that yeah. was the thing, you know. So that's the kind of thing. But that's the kind of thing that he that he could put into a fighter was to be assertive at the right time. And if you did that, you were going to be successful. Klitschko, we don't have to tell you about it. We know about the Klitschkos. He mm-hmm. took them and turned them into two of the greatest fighters in the top 20. Both of those guys, let me tell you, were probably in the top 20 list of all-time greats. And you could say that the older ones were one of the top could be uh, put into the top 10. But, could, so, but couldn't adjust against Fury, to your earlier but, point. No. Yeah. Well, 30, yeah, and they, you're right, 30. But he uh, also, he's there. on the end of his, you know, his yeah, prime there. His but, career. And then the fight with... Uh, the other one, uh, Joshua, right? With the other, the Klitschko, mm-hmm. uh, what's it, uh, Vladimir, whatever. Anyway, the Klitschko fight. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Joshua fight. See, Manuel, of course, is not there. But now things have changed. So, but it wasn't to lock it into those guys is one thing. I mean, you corner, you come back, I say, look, you're not, you, look, do this. You got to do this. You know, you know that's the, that was his style. He didn't lose control, but you, ideas to make the fighter think that he's so upset that you go out and do what he told you to do. And if you did it, you are going to be successful. Hmm. I always remember Jimmy Paul was fighting on the undercard of the Roberta Duran and Tommy Hearns fight. And I forget who he was fighting, but the guy was giving him a hard time. 
we were in we were in Detroit. I think that's where it was. It might have been in Vegas. I can't remember. But it was in Vegas. So Emmanuel was in the in the dressing room wrapping Tommy's hand. And one of the guys come out and said, Man, Jimmy's not doing what he's supposed to do, Emmanuel. All of a sudden, Emmanuel comes out, goes into the corner for the next round, next fight, Jimmy Paul gets out and knocked the guy out. That's the kind of person that Emmanuel Stewart was. You know, he taught it to you, he expected you to do it. And if you did it, 99.9% of the time, you were going to be effective. No, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, all right, who's your, who's your next pick? Well, if, if we want to go, again, we look at motivators and coaches, trainers, I probably would have to say Jenks Morton. I have and no idea who that is. The great Leonard's trainer. See, that's what I'm there again. Yeah, oh, and is, that, is, that a, is that his early trainer then? Yeah, the guy it was, started it was him out? throughout most of, it, most of his career. He was a tall guy. See, Sugar, uh, Angelo Dundee. Yeah, that's, a, that's who I know as, yeah, as his trainer. I know he started exactly. out with someone different, but mm -hmm. okay. Angelo, most people don't know this, but even with Muhammad, Angelo pretty much came in about the last two, unless there was a lot of media stuff done like it was in the 70s. It was, you know, the 70s was all about media promotions, man. That's what made boxing. Mm -hmm. So Angelo might come in a month before, but most of the time Angelo came in two or three weeks before the fight. Well, I that's what I have Angelo Dundee as the greatest psychological yes. coach of all Motivator. time. Yes, but one of the reasons is because he was able, he was one of the few guys who could actually handle Ali because he, by his own account, when Ali did something, uh, or when he wanted Ali to do something different, he would go, I like the way you're doing this to make him do this. That's very smart of you. Like it was Ali's idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, Ali would go like, oh I yeah, mean, that, you know, that's, that's how was, you do you it. See that, the, the motivator in him. But James and the same Morton thing with Leonard. You're blowing it, well, son. Yeah. You're blowing it. You're blowing it, kid. But a yeah. lot, and, and why? Because he's back there. Angelo knew the judges. He knew the referees. He knew all of them. His brother, Chris, had been in the was a promoter for many years. And there was some supposedly mock connections among him. And a lot of people had said at that time that Angelo was put in Muhammad's corner because the mob wanted him in there. He had this group called Cloverley. That was it Cloverley? I think it was Cloverley that signed him up. It's one of the Joe Frazier had one, too. But um, I think it was, I want to say it was Cloverlate. There was a group of syndicate guys that put the money together to back Muhammad's career. They brought in Angelo to do that, to be that part, more or less the watcher, as they say. Uh, I don't believe that. So, that doesn't make it. That doesn't make any sense to me. That makes that makes, oh, it it, makes that makes that makes zero sense. Why would because 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 Dundee had no control over Ali, like at all. So why why was he there? I don't, I don't see how that would benefit the mafia to have a guy close to Ali like that. No, trainer. It, it's not so much as the mafia. The syndicate had put money. You got to remember this now. We're talking about 1960 in the southern part of the country, southeastern part of the country. Yeah. Things were, st things were still very, very heavily segregated that way. Yeah, that was a, that so was that a big part of Ali's, um, Ali's if fight. You his, yeah. If you read his book sometime, he said he would go to places and they, you know, they, the guys couldn't go in and eat. And Muhammad would go, well, if they can't go, then I can't go. So yeah. believe me, but there were doors that were opened up because of that. But, and it was the backing that these guys had. Believe so you're, me. So you're, so you're saying that Ange Angelo was at times like a chauffeur 
Like we can trust him because there's a, a white dude with him kind of a thing? Italian, like you want to put it that way. I mean, listen. I mean, I, mean, they, I don't know. I don't know anything about not, the about the, the situation. The, the, the thing, thing, things were not the same even by the seventies the way they were in the sixties. Yeah, of course. So, and Angelo, Angelo had been, like I said, his brother Chris was very strong in the boxing world, especially from Florida, Louisiana, Texas, in that area there. Very strong, Alabama, and that a lot of boxing was going was taking place. So Chris was a very, 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 very influential guy in the boxing business. And there may have been a couple of fights that even Ali may have people thought he lost early in his career. Doug Jones was the one they think about in the, in the garden. They booed him so bad because they thought Doug Jones deserved the victory. But he wasn't going to get it because Ali was the houseman, houseman there. That's the way it was. And there are people who believe that the reason that a lot of these things was because of Angelo. Now, to say that the mob actually expected him to do certain things, but believe me when I tell you, there were periods of time, wasn't there, of course, but there were periods of time, and from all these guys that I've met and talked to over the years, that was the reason that he was put there. Muhammad, mm -hmm. when he got his involvement with the Muslims, may have changed things a little bit, but they didn't want Angelo around anymore. But, that, mm -hmm. but, but Muhammad said, this is my guy. He's going to be here. Yeah. Whatever those reasons were. Whatever, because Drew Brown wasn't his trainer. You know, he had another couple other guys. I think Bobby Lewis, I can't remember been around him, some other guys. But Drew Brown wasn't his trainer. Drew, Drew Brown was the guy that went, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That's what he did. Uh, you know, he was like the clown thing of the, of the time, the prince of clowns. Yeah. Clown prince of the time. But so so, so we're, talking, we're talking perhaps boxing politics got Dundee in there. Yeah. But when he was in there, he was definitely, he was useful. As hell. Very useful. Very useful. Yeah, he, very he's useful. I, I, it, he's one of the trainers who never who never actually boxed, right? Like I don't mean right. like he never very, competed, but like he never, never even put on no, boxing gloves. Like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that's involved, you evolved around the sport, but you never you learned it from outside the ropes. That's fasc that's business. fascinating to me. Yeah, I think you could get yeah, well, an entirely different perspective from it that way. And, and you learn your business. You learn the business of it. Because mm -hmm. what you have to learn are the referees, the judges, what this guy allows you to do with this guy. Like you go to a certain area, you go like, I don't want that guy being a judge because he doesn't like a guy who boxes. You want a guy to fight, straight, you know, come straight ahead and punch mm -hmm. it like Joe Frazier, guys like that. So, you know, they're like in the fight in the 71, same thing. Joe got the edge because the guys that were the, uh, the judges, they favored Joe Frazier's style mm -hmm. more. Arthur McCanty basically had to fight a draw at that time. If you know the referee, uh, I mean, the referee gave a, a scorecard too. So when you start looking at it, but the history of Angelo is not that as a trainer. People in the boxing world may think that, but he wasn't, trust me, he wasn't the guy as a trainer that you thought. Against with Ray, Ray Leonard, again, you had him where no, he No, I remember was. In, in, the, in the book, uh, in his book, he, he did say that Dundee did not do what they thought he was going to do. They thought that he was going to come in and um and have all these like expert techniques and and this kind of thing mm -hmm. you know um i think they attributed ellie a little bit too much to uh to dundee's training too but yeah as as a guy to have in the ring while the fight is going on I, there are fights uh, like legacy defining fights that if he wasn't there would have gone a lot differently well I'd so, which is why i say he's the best psychological Coach, fighter, trainer, that, that there's coach, yeah, yeah trainer that there's ever been well the, the, the george he, he came in he came with us in george he came with us right before the 
was it the Cooney fight? Right before the Cooney fight, I think. Mm-hmm. And George said, call up Angelo. Okay, yeah. why? Because I'm telling you, there are politics that's in this game. Even though you know Cooney is a puncher, George is a puncher. But we had Archie Moore. We yeah. had Charlie Stipes. And Archie, Archie Moore is a technician. He's technician. the guy, he's the exact opposite of Dundee. He's going to yes. teach you the specifics of what, where to throw every punch, when and why. And, and Archie had been with George since about 1971, mm-hmm. 70, 71. So to come back and not have him there, you know, has been, is blasphemous. So you bring in Archie because this man forgotten more than most of these guys ever thought. But Charlie Shipes, who was another one of the, who was actually George's head trainer, was Charlie Shipes. Mm-hmm. Archie was kind of like the co-trainer, but Archie is the one that Charlie got stuff from. And then Archie would go and talk to George. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the way it went. Because of a respect thing. Charlie Shipes had been welterweight champion. He fought Curtis Coates and lost the title in 67 or 68. He held it for a minute, but he lost the title to Curtis Coates. But Charlie had been champ. Was a great little fighter himself. But Archie is a guy that, you know, everybody just depended. Any question I had about or George had, he would sit with Archie after. And Archie could tell him, hey, look, back in 1939, this happened, that happened. And this is what you got to do. And George would take it and implement it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but Angelo came in with us again. Didn't Two didn't Angelo say fight. something too to George right before he knocked out uh he knocked out more, right? He said he's yours. <laughs> yeah. You got him. Yeah, which I don't I don't think I don't think was obvious to most of the crowd at that point. Let me tell you what happened. If you look at the I, I tell people, don't look at the ninth round. You gotta look at the end of the eighth round in that Moore fight. Mm-hmm. George hits Michael Moore with a body shot that just freezes him. I Stupid mean his legs yeah. just it stiffens him up. He goes back to the corner, and Teddy is trying to like, ah, you gotta do this, you gotta give this whole story about this train or something like that. You know, the train going up the hill is ah, some kind of story he gave him. We, I couldn't hear him because we were in the corner, but I heard it after with some kind of corner story he gave him. But, uh, but, uh, but uh, Angelo said, when he came, he said, you got him. But George didn't go, he said, don't try to get you still gotta be caught with him now. So. Angelo would, because this is what Angelo, Angelo was so cool, man. I'm serious. I was like, it's crazy. He'd be putting stuff on George's face, right? But he's talking at the same, never panicked. Mm-hmm. Never panicked. He panicked after, now, I tell people this, a lot of people not paying attention to this. But, okay, let me finish this part. So he's doing this, right? Putting the gasoline on, smooth, and George like, okay, okay. So he goes back out the next round. And George is testing Michael, not a few way he is. Michael's a little bit apprehensive now. He doesn't have to, because why? At one minute, you don't get your legs back that quick. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't move anymore. So at the yeah. end of the 10th round, at the, end, at the start of the 10th round, he said, I remember Angelo looked over to me, he said, we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> we're going home. And the next thing I know, the same punch, George landed, hits him in the body again, Michael still. George mm-hmm. tests him with the shot. Boom, boom. He can't move. Oh, you're going to stay there. One, two, the rest is history. See, those little things that Angelo, like I said, he was, he's kind of like, well, there's a word that goes along the, you know, the, the plug. There's a, uh, you know, you say uh, cheap cooking bottle washer, right? But that's what he was. He plugged it in with everything that you had going. And mm-hmm. again, like Emmanuel, when you put it together, it worked. Yeah. And there it was. There it was. Because if you notice in that fight, George never went to the cross defense. No, he did not. Nope. No, because he abandoned it. By that, by that time, everybody had figured, okay, how do you get under? Holyfield probably did a pretty good job of 
throwing around under it, but you have to be able to bounce around and move. But most of those other heavyweights didn't have that style like that. But by this time, Teddy Atlas was smart. Yeah. So he had figured out a way. Every time he covers up, you know. No, he tried, he tried to tell more. He warned him. He, he warned Moore a he lot, and then Moore just ignored him. They <laughs> <laughs> just, just ignored him. So, I mean, now, again, remember, this is the funny thing about it. Moore had worked under Emmanuel Stewart for a while, trained under Emmanuel Stewart for a while. I don't know what happened with that. But he was, now, if he has Emmanuel in his corner, I don't think he makes those mistakes. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. But I think he, his head stays a little bit more. Michael was temperamental. But, again, you have to have faith. And everybody that's in your corner, everybody that's there. Hmm. And Angelo, if, if you if, look, if you said, okay, Archer not doesn't have it tonight, Charlie doesn't have it tonight, Angelo does. So that's the guy you let in the ring. If you look at the last three rounds, Angelo is the guy that was in the ring when George but, came but in. Let's get let's get back. We kind of accidentally went on to yeah, uh, went away. Uh, yeah, let's let's get back to um, <laughs> to Leonard's Leonard's original coach, the guy who taught yeah, him all okay. his techniques and everything. Jenks, Jenks Morton. Okay, Jenks is a very unassuming guy. I don't know whether Jenks boxed or not. I, I never really quiet, unassuming guy. And he yeah. wasn't the kind of guy that you just said, uh, oh, that's Jenks Morton. So I said, you didn't know him. Because Mike Trainer was the other guy that was there with him. But I know Mike that Trainer, Yeah. Yeah, you, everybody knows Mike Trainer. But I'm telling you, Jenks Morton is the guy that gave Leonard. He wasn't a yaya guy. You know, he wasn't the kind of guy that says, oh, well, you know, oh, yeah, wait. No, no. He's he talked, he was a big guy, tall guy, about six four or something like that. So you might have thought he was a bodyguard when you see him coming up ring, but he wasn't. You know, he was just a guy who didn't mind putting into work every day in the gym with Ray, making sure that Ray, and he came up with a lot of things that I told you about with Ray, you know, the different standards of training with the guys with his smaller gloves, getting used to that. A lot of that had to do with Jenks Morton. All and the practical he'll never day -day get, stuff. Yeah. All the practice. He'll never get he'll never get the credit because he basically only worked. He had a couple of other guys. He worked, we came with a couple of the heavyweights, the kid from uh Canada, I forget his name, Canadian heavyweight. He had a couple of guys, but never the talent. Well, building building up talent. Leonard is is credited enough. Um, really. Yes. Uh, Leonard Leonard could yes. do everything. He could box, yes. he could punch. Um, he could, after Duran, he learned how to infight really well. Cause yes, he's like, he did. you know, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to be, have a deficit in anything. Yeah. He was a thinking man fighter. He was the mm -hmm. one guy that and we talked about earlier. Got the guys been able to think or they're throwing punches. That was Ray. He he, he that, that. And I think I attribute that to a lot of that to Jenks Morton. Okay. Well, he got some recognition here at least. So that's, that's good. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Leonard appreciated it. Um, <laughs> yes, he did. All right, so uh, my my next pick is I have uh, for best at mid-round or uh, I guess I should say mid-fight um, adjustments, I'm going to go with Freddie Roach uh, wow. because he won so many fights um, just by telling his fighters that, you okay, he's doing this, you do this, and then there's a knockout that, or they take back control of that same round. Most recently, he did this with uh, George St. Pierre, um, one of the best ever uh, MMA fighters. Um, told him mid-round, look, he's starting to counter that jab with your cross, so I want you to duck under and hit him with, a, with your lead hook. GSP does it. It plays out in the exact same sequence. Um, Bisbing gets knocked down, and then GSP retakes a championship as an aged fighter. And there are so many instances of him doing that. 
Um, so I'm going to go, he's best at mid fight adjustments. Um, what, what do you think? I like that. That's a good one. Freddie was mm -hmm. a good trainer, good teacher too. Good yeah. trainer and a good teacher. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean. Some of them guys are one of, some of them are one or the other. Freddie is kind of a combination of both, right? Absolutely. As you just said. Uh, and it, actually, I had to give him credit for Manny Pacquiao's success. Yeah, Pacquiao yeah. had no lead hand at, no, all, at, at all. He, he yeah. punched like this. When he first started, he just threw punches. Yeah. You know, he jumped, he jumped guys. Don't get me wrong, he jumped guys. No, yeah, he, he was, he was like always this. smart. He was just sloppy, like really, really just sloppy. sloppy. Yeah. And I used to say, you know, how come nobody can't catch this guy with an uppercut coming in or something? But mm -hmm. Freddie took him and put him down, flattened his feet on his toe, brought him up on his toes. And now let's use the speed that you have. Use the speed and your power. You use your speed and your power together, you're going to be knocking that guy. You're 100, you start out at 118 pounds or something like that, 119. Mm. Show me a period of time where a fighter went from 118 to 19 pounds all the way up to 154 pounds. It's, a, it's insane. It's insane. So Freddie Roach probably... He, he, like, he, liked, he likes power. One, one of the, my favorite, like... One of the favorite moments of my life, I was actually, um, I, I used to just go into wild cards to use the bags. And then Freddie Roach called me over and asked me what my record was. I'm like, oh, I never fought professionally. <laughs> like amateur? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you got great power. I, did, I cherish that memory. Freddie Roach told me I had good power. Um, <laughs> so I, ha I, had to put, I had to put him on the list. You, know, you understand. Goes, well, he, go, he can go, if you got five faces on Mount Rushmore, you can put Pet, you can put uh, Freddie up there. I mean, you really can because yeah. you know, as you said before, you're going to be known for something, and it yeah. may be that one particular fighter. It may be that one particular fight that may have been the most important fight in that fighter's career. And they said, well, "Why do you do this?" Because this guy is the one that told him what to do, and this is the guy that worked him. So. And Freddie had a number of guys. I think he worked with James Tony for a while. He had quite a few fighters up there wild card. And at one he's, time, he's worked with the. It's it's funny. He he. Uh, another reason I give him best for just mid mid fight adjustments is boxers would hire him to be in his corner, and they yeah. like never worked with him before. Never. Right. Yeah, they met him like that night. I, I I saw him in Rigandau's corner. I'm like, what the hell? Right. Yeah. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one of those things, though. It makes you, Freddie gives you credit. You know, like they said, they have the street cred. Yeah. You got Freddie Roach in the corner, you got a little credit going on with your style. Because they say, well, Freddie yeah. just doesn't jump in anybody's corner. He doesn't just jump in anybody's corner. He doesn't. But that's kind of like, you know, that's, that's Freddie Roach. So no. I'm saying with all the other guys we start looking at, you know, you say, okay, Freddie Roach. And his name doesn't come up enough. And he's a, he's a, he's a, a te he's a teacher. Like, I went, to wild, I, I went to wild cards just because it was the closest gym to me. But uh he'd just go over to people who weren't even competing just just people who wanted to be in, and they, he'd just give them pointers if it was like a slow night he'd just walk around the gym and mm -hmm. uh and and like just give boxing wisdom to everybody so yeah. that's super that's super impressive to me that because he had no reason to do that he's not making yeah, any right. money for that he loves what he because he loves what he does exactly. and that's what that's what i mean a teacher teaches not for the paycheck they teach mm -hmm. because they love what they're doing. The idea that I can put into a kid's head that two plus two is four. You know what I mean? Or whatever mm -hmm. the numbers may be. That's what they like doing. The kid didn't know that at the beginning. And now after six weeks, nine weeks, whatever the period of time it is, now this kid does it. And that's Freddie Roach. Uh, that's why I'm saying if you start putting that Mount Rushmore 
You have to put him up there. You put five paces. You know, he's not the very best of all time. That's for sure. No, but, no, but no, he's a he's no, a fantastic coach. Yeah, not at all. But he's a fantastic teacher. And then, like I said again, he may be more of a teacher than he is a, a trainer. But which is more important, the teacher or the trainer? Right. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd go with teacher nine times out of ten with that one. All right, I got I got one more. Who's your next one? Percy Miller. Percy Miller. James is James Tony's trainer. Now, mm. everybody see Floyd Mayweather doing the role and all those kind of things. Mr. Miller was out of Detroit. He, they, it, that's his original thing. James Tony did it better than anybody. Uh, he did it more aggressive. He did it more offensively than Mayweather for uh, sure. Offensively than most people that he could move on a guy, you mm -hmm. throw punches. Roy Jones was just too fast. You know, I, I tell people, nobody would have beat Roy Jones at that weight. You know, yeah. Roy was just Roy, Roy had to try speak. everything, everything, oh, and and could not find a way. He himself said, "I couldn't find a way through his defenses. I couldn't find a way it. in for rounds." That was a great fight. Kept, but he kept throwing punches because he was in a condition to do that. Mm -hmm. James, I, I wish I, I was on the road because I did the broadcast, the international for that fight, and we traveled different places, right? Mm -hmm. And James would just Roy could make James just lose it. But I'm telling you, the thing Roy would say, he had gotten to James's head, and Mr. Miller tried his best. He tried his best to say, don't let him get into your head. You just got to do the things you – the problem that he couldn't get James – he kept it deep. That's why James, I think, to this day, even four or five years ago, you saw James able to last so long because he didn't take a lot of abusive punches in boxing early on. No, not he at all. He had the defense. Yeah, he had the defense, the thing, and he could recover. But – I think Roy's speed was just so fast, he didn't know how to counter it. It was a great fight, a great fight. But, you know, later on, the, the, the talent just... The well, if, if Tony hadn't started showboating, though, I mean, that's, yeah. jo that's Jones' area of expertise. Yeah. You know, he, right. you know, Jones is the Muhammad Ali in that fight. He's the one who's going to try to irritate you and make you mess up so that he could get you with his speed. If, he, if someone with speed catches you do something, doing something stupid... That's that's way worse than someone with that, you know, with power catching you doing something stupid. Because there the guy with speed is gonna be able to get to you while you're yes. showboating like that. And that's and, that's and, what happened. But he wanted to even during the press tours, he wanted to show people, you know, it's like I want to show people that I'm the best fighter. And you might be the best fighter. But sometimes it boils down to athleticism and fighting. Roy Jones, as you know, he played basketball and all that kind of stuff. So he had the athleticism, know how to pivot, and do all those things. And there were some things James couldn't do. So the speed, the movement around James, one time in that fight, I think it was like the sixth or seventh round, James just lost Roy. You know, he lost him. And didn't know where he went. Yeah, no, where he go? yeah, he, because, he, because he could teleport behind you. <laughs> yeah. And it was like he turns around and gets hit. You know, now. But, uh, but Tony, does that, Tony does that to people too. Was yeah, the, he was the thing. That. He yeah, he also yeah, he had he had incredible footwork. He could he could shift back into southpaw <laughs> and sh and and just shoulder roll on roll the, you know on the southpaw right. and then and then hit you with a hook and then he had a he he knocked a guy out that way. I forget his name. It was when he was in the higher weight classes. But he he shifted back and then and then and then knocked the guy out while he was stepping back into southpaw. Because he could shift on like you said, he could make he could he could put the weight back on his foot. Yeah, right. Lean back on that and then just bring that shot. Because why? You're looking for this. Because yep. that's his power hand, so you think. But he didn't count at you with his left hook, and that's it. And it's a good night. Yeah. Uh, I got to know, and I still know him very well. Good friend of mine. We talk on a, on a frequent basis. 
So James, I, and I say a lot of these guys, like, they don't get the credit that they do, but everybody know Miller, you know, in the fight game. He and Georgie Benton and those guys were part of the old school thing, man, that just brought top fighters. It's just amazing. And again, that's why you can have a guy that's great this year, and then maybe next year, not so great. Mm-hmm. Because why? Another guy catches up with him because he's not taught any further than where he is at that level. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for saying the Feldy shell used more offensively. Like, yeah. like Tony could step forward with the shoulder roll. And you never see mm-hmm. Mayweather. Mayweather just always pivots. And if he's staying in place, he pivots. And, and usually yeah, he's, stepping, he's stepping back. And, yeah, I mean, Mayweather back. can exactly. stay in the same place. And then, you know, shoulder roll and block all night. But Tony could just come at you with shots going forward and, and just shut up, uh, set up all these more offensive angles. He wouldn't, he wouldn't close the door to it, you know? Yeah. He'd, he'd be stepping into it at the same time. I, I'd because really like James, to see that more. James is trying to figure out a way to hit you, whereas Floyd is trying to figure out a way to avoid getting hit. To outpoint get in you. Yeah. And to outpoint you. That's, that's the difference. And again, that, I, his, it's not like he was, his dad didn't teach him that. That wasn't a Mayweather type thing. It wasn't Roger. It wasn't Floyd Sr. That was something. And remember, he's from Michigan. So you can bet that he's seen that up there an awful lot. No, no, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, all right, the last coach I have is best at creating and realizing his own style. So you can, can, you, can you guess who it is? Well, let me see. At creating his own style. I would, I would like to say probably Robert Garcia because he does that. True. Um, no, that's a that's a good one. I'm going with Customato. Okay. Because cause. because he cre- he created this style that worked for shorter boxers, a mm-hmm. power based style. It, you don't really see even going back in the old days. You don't see because it sounds stupid. It sounds like it won't work. You don't see people squaring up, and then moving yeah. their bodies like moving. a wi- like a windshield wiper. Yeah. You yeah. you see you know yeah, right. you, you see someone if you don't have Patterson and you don't have Tyson. Um, and the and and his other fighters. Jose Torre. Jose yeah, Jose Torre. Yeah, you don't. If you don't have yeah. those guys, and you start trying to teach that to people, you you, you know, you just think the guy's a moron. But it, but well, it worked. Yes. And I, it's crazy remember, that it worked. I remember when the first time they showed a clip, Tyson hadn't won a title, but it was, it was part of the things that that uh, Cus and uh, what was Mike Jimmy Jacobs did. He did an awful lot of video on Mike early with Cuss, right? Early yeah. on video. Because I guess Cuss was an older guy and Vince, I mean, um, his dad, um, Jimmy Jacobs' dad owned Big Fights Incorporated. All those videos and movies that you see, that was Jimmy Jacobs' dad who created that. And Jimmy owned the film library after, of course, Bill Caden wound up with it. But Jimmy owned that library and when he died, it all passed over to him. But he, there were videos he had of Tyson, right? And you've seen him lock how you will see cuss, you know, he locked mm-hmm. in here because as you said, he was notorious at teaching the smaller guys. Yeah. Here, you get here, what do you do? You turn, boom, that was Tyson. And mm-hmm. he could hit you from either side. And it works from either side. Boom, yeah. boom, you know, you get your leverage. That was Mike the big Tyson influence is that you can knock yeah. the guy out with either hand. Yeah. Either hand. From either and angle. He, is, he was one of the ones that converted Mike Tyson from a softball to a pretty well ambidextrous fighter is what he became. But he, he took away that style. Why? Because everybody knows that heavyweights in general, 
do not like to fight soft-power heavyweights, especially those that can punch. Mm-hmm. You make one mistake as a night, it's a good night dick as they roll. You know, so he, he created over. a sneaky southpaw. He created a sneaky southpaw. Yeah. And Jimmy Jacobs took Mike Tyson and taught him how to play handball. That's, that was the deal. Shuffle your feet, boom. So really? every time you come out, you're on balance. Oh, yeah, these are secrets. I, I, I touch and talk to Jimmy a lot. A lot of times I'd be in New York with my brother. So he always said, I wasn't, I wasn't handball. expecting handball. That's the one where you throw the ball against the wall? Yeah. And, and, and then, yeah. So what happens, he said, if I ever got a fighter, if I ever get a fighter, I'll teach him how to, Jimmy Jacobs was like for years in top handball, uh, handball gamer in the country, in the world, as a matter of fact. So he said, if I got it, because why? You teach him ambidextrous. You take mm-hmm. it, you know how to work on both sides. And that's why Tyson would do this, that little move he had, that walk in, yeah. had that. But Buster Douglas kind of altered him because he was able to stop him. And make him start it up. The difference with that, you got to be able to, you got to start your feet each time you start far, you got to reshuffle your feet. Yeah. So Mike had this thing where bop, 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 and he slide in. But if you stop him, you have to make, you have to shuffle his feet all you over. Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do that. That that was the difference. But that's where it came from. And Mike could use both hands. It, it just left or right. It didn't matter. He, I look at the Trevor Burbick fight, you know, just like, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a prime example of what he had because he wasn't in no position to hit. Uh, in boxing terms, but he caught him with both shots because he went here and then here and then he popped him on top of the head and then the rest is you know he rolled around a four four or five times. And just pa- Patterson, get Patterson too. Patterson, um, I mean his uh, his hook was crazy, but yeah, mainly he didn't have Tyson's power. He did, but he had no. that incredible speed. Um, and he did. That, that same kind of footwork where he could it looked like he teleported behind guys. Yeah. Um, he jumped into guys, you know. Yeah, that, that leap and leaning in left hook, same thing. But like you said, if he had the power, I'll tell you this much, and people can argue this all they want. He was out and handled in the in both uh listing fights. But if he's got that power that Mike Tyson has, yeah, I'm not so sure that three stones is the same both times. Yeah, well he if he if he has the power Tyson has, he's a better fighter than Tyson. Um, yes, I, I think I think I that's pretty it's it's like uh it's like what we were talking about with Lomachenko. If Lomachenko had power, you know, then he's the greatest. He's the greatest of all time. But he doesn't, yes. and that's why doesn't that's why it. he needs to use all the all the matrix stuff in part. Yeah, um, and, and <laughs> as, as he has, as he has, yeah. So um, that that's it for my picks. Um, do we have any honorable mentions or anything? Or? I mean, the honorable mention would be George Benton. Georgia Benton, who trained basically every Lou Duba was there with him as well. And people are going to say that but Lou Duba was a trainer and Lou was a trainer, but Lou never had any real success until mm-hmm. he got over to those guys with, uh, I mean, you could say Benny Pazianza maybe, and there was a couple other guys. I forget the light heavyweight champion, Bobby Chaz or something like that, Chaz, guys like that. But the real talent came about when Georgia Benton had Pernell Whitaker, Mildred Taylor, uh, uh, what's the kid that trains uh, Wilder was training by um, um, Mark Breland, Evander Holyfield I mean that whole Olympic team mm-hmm. Tyrell Briggs, that's where it all it, where, that's where Georgia Benton got, got a chance to expand his talent and all, you, all you really need is Whitaker there anyways and that, oh, yeah, and, I'm telling you. Yeah, 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 that's it Yeah, it's, but that, that right there is where but Georgia doesn't get it because he never sought the light, some guys just doesn't see, they, don't, they don't seek the light you know, and they like doing what they do when they get through, they can go and do the fight and go sit in the bar, talk, laugh, and tell stories, have a drink here, drink there, and wait for the fight. But Georgie Benton is one. Uh, Robert Garcia, as a younger guy, you know, he's younger, he's older, but he's younger. 
at that, from that standpoint, he belongs in there. I think Ronnie Shields one day will be remembered as that. And James and, and that Derek James, because today Derek James has two world champions. He has Errol Spence and he has Jamel Charlo. Jamal Charlo. I can't know which one. One of the Charlo brothers. But I mean, but I mean, so he, you know, even he and, and that's that's probably the group 25 years from now or 20 years now, people will be talking about. Don't don't but, forget, uh, I know we talked about him, but don't forget Archie Moore either. Oh uh, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, Archie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Archie, oh, yeah. Archie, sure. Archie belongs there. Uh, Archie was he had he taught a lot of guys coming up the ropes. A lot of guys. Yeah, he, he taught a lot of guys like a little bit yeah. here and there. I can't think yeah, of like yeah. a someone he was with the entire time. Besides, I think your brother. Um, he probably spent more time directly with George than anybody. Mm. But he was with Archie with Ali for a while. He was with a bunch a of guys for a little bit here and a there, and uh, <laughs> and he probably made major improvements to all of their games. Oh, I, I yeah. guarantee you did. When he brought you in, it was something a little bit different. You learned there again. Lies the and Archie was a teacher too. He hated he hated the word trainer. He said, I'm not a trainer. I'm a teacher. He was uh, his ABC. Any boy can if he's taught right. That was his level. I, I'm, the, level. I'm, the, his I'm the same. I'm honestly the same way. Maybe maybe it's my ego getting in the way. Like you're just, dude. You just create like media, but I like to think of myself as a teacher more than anything. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean that's that's what I used education. to do. I taught martial arts and gymnastics for like you know uh, what 15 years, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Education is the most important part of the whole. No, but thing. You you like, like we said before, these guys, if they could teach their fighters how to think, that's that's the thing that you know. Yeah. That really and that's what George he taught, George became George became a thinking fighter the second time around. First time with great power and brute strength. But his mm. second time around, he became a thinking fighter, man. And that's that that believe me, that made the difference. Ali was a thinking fighter, you know. So when you start putting all these guys together, you what was the fight with them. your brother against uh it was this other dude, this this big white dude who um who also used like cross guard and then I remember your your brother saw him use the cross guard and see he's like oh liver and then just like <laughs> targeted like say exact just jabbed to make him shell up and then went right for his liver and then dropped him a little bit after that. That I think that was uh, what's his name uh, James. It was, it, it, was, it, was it was an up and coming. For, it was like after he came back and he was looking to to get some easy yeah. wins under. It him. was uh, the kid. Uh, hmm. I can't I can't remember his name. Yeah. He's from, he was from Reno. I know he was from Reno. I just can't think of his name, but yeah, big kid. I just thought that James was so Paul. funny. It's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. you were using my defense? I know the weakness <laughs> to that defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had it done to Reno. me. Yeah. It was a big kid from Reno because Archie had been, I think he he had fought Tyson as well. I can't think of his name, but yeah, that was a kid from Reno. The big guy, big guy. No, yeah. That, but, that was you know, funny. again, you know, that's one of those things that I say fight, fighters learn and those who can think and do it at the same time. And it's easy to do when you're rattling the other guy's brain. Don't get me wrong. You know, mm -hmm. you're hitting the other guy, his mind is like, whoa, uh, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, it's just so trying you, to you got, survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Take time, yeah, right. You take time to think. But no, I mean, but that's what you have to do with a good fighter. You have to mm -hmm. make him think. And that's what, that's what, and, and those guys, all the ones with the six that we just named, if you put them all together, man, boy, oh boy, you got a computer that's stuffed up with some of everything. Yeah, no, that'd be crazy. Imagine that dream team. Uh, um, yeah. So, so everyone, uh, leave who you think was the best, you know, coach, trainer, teacher in the comments. Um, we'll be responding uh, to to your choices and having some discussions there. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I think that's it for this segment. So, um, everyone, have a good night.